What's up, everyone? Before we uh, officially get into this week's episode, there are a couple of pretty uh, important Minnesota United news items that have broken since Dom and I recorded. So I figured I would jump in here at the beginning and update everyone on those. Uh, a little bit of a good news or a bad news, good news situation for Minnesota as uh, midfielder Kervin Ariaga is actually out for the rest of the 2023 season. He suffered a torn right meniscus. Um, and this is the exact same injury that happened to Robin Lud. Uh, earlier this season that had put him out for the year as well. So um, unfortunate to the for the Loons to now lose two key midfielders uh, for the season like this. Um, and Ariaga was seemingly just starting to come back into form uh, and come back into confidence over the last couple months. But uh, his season is over with that torn right lateral meniscus. And uh, if there are any updates on a, on a timeline for his return uh, in terms of next season or anything like that, we'll be sure to update you there. Um, also, though, because of this injury, I have to imagine it's because of this injury. I guess it's not confirmed, but if you connect the dots, um, you have to know that Minnesota probably wasn't going to be looking for another defensive midfielder if they had you know, uh, a healthy curve in Ariaka. But due to the injury, they actually went out and at the deadline made a trade with Nashville SC for a familiar name, Jan Gregush. The Slovakian who spent three years in Minnesota from 2019 to 2021 is back. Um, it's uh, $75,000 in general allocation money that is being sent to Nashville and a 2024 second round draft pick. Um, so pretty affordable get uh, get back for the Loons, I should say, uh, with Gregish. And this is going to be interesting to see how he fits back in because obviously he originally signed as a designated player in 2019. And he was lights out in 2019 and that COVID impact in 2020 season really was one of the impact players on the squad, living up to that DP tag, had nine assists in the 2019 season, another five in the 2020 season. And of course, was a force alongside Ozzy Alonzo and that defensive midfield from Minnesota as well. So, um, but then you look ahead at 2021 and he, he really fell down the depth chart. Only uh, only nine starts and 15 total appearances for Gregish in 2021. And that's across the whole season. And, uh, of course, they eventually let him go, and he was uh, picked by San Jose in the reentry draft ahead of the 2022 season. And he had a decent year with uh, with San Jose last year. A um, handful of assists um, was paired alongside Minnesotan and U.S. International Jackson Ewell, um, you know, made 27 total appearances for the Quakes last year. And then ahead of 2023, he was traded to Nashville SC, where um, he hasn't, you know, he's made 15 appearances, only one start. So definitely more of a rotational option for them in the defensive midfield. So, um, you know, presumably coming back into a situation where he'll be more of a prominent figure, whether that's starting or coming off the bench. And we will have to see what kind of impact he can make. If he can sort of find the magic of 2019 and 2020 when he was so damn good for this team, this is a real, he could be a real, real impact player once again, obviously for Minnesota in 2023. So we'll have to see. Uh, and I think just one final note on this, it's interesting to me, you know, there was a lot of assumptions made that, you know, Gregish had sort of fallen out of favor with the coaching staff. And that was why he was being um, benched and not being played much in 2021. But you have to imagine if that was the case, he wouldn't want to come back. So uh, we'll have to see what that relationship with Gregish and the organization is like upon his return here uh, in the uh, second half, or I guess the last uh, couple months here of the 2023 season. As far as League's Cup is concerned and his availability for that, it's Thursday as I'm recording here. Minnesota plays Friday. Um, I, I don't know if he would be available for Friday's match against the crew. 
in the League's Cup round of 32. Um, I also am – an m spokesperson told me that players can be added to the League's Cup roster after the fact. But it's just a matter of how many names are on that roster. And um, I have to imagine that a League's Cup roster can only have so many names on it. So can Gregish actually be added to the League's Cup roster? I'm not 100% sure as I'm recording this. So uh, we'll have to look at both of those and, and see how those situations play themselves out. But uh, the TLDR on this, Kervin Arriaga out for the season with a torn right meniscus. And the Loons are replacing him with former Minnesota United DP midfielder, Jan Gregish coming in for the rest of the 2023 campaign to fill that void for Minnesota. All right, let's get into the real episode now. What is up and welcome in to another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing for episode 151 and returning to the podcast this week, joining me once again, Mr. Dominic Jose Bisogno. Dom, how are we doing? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, glad to glad to be back to, to talk about stuff. Um, Real quick, I want to shout out, this is a soccer-related thing, but it's not quite a news story we're going to talk about today, but I, I checked out this week. This week, uh, the Futsal Society uh, opened up their coffee shop in Loring Park. Yes. They're operating, and I, I still have a little bit of my drink. Oh, um, there you go. Visited them today. Uh, uh, Fox Alley Coffee, mm-hmm. I think is the name of the, of the place. Um, and it was really good, really cool spot. They're kind of a cool extension of what they're doing in terms of community uh, outreach and uh, helping young players sort of figure out their next step. Um, so yeah, just a just a quick shout out to them uh, if yeah. you're interested. You know, uh, check that out. But uh, anyways, yes, uh, glad to be out back on the podcast. Plenty to talk about, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. You spend five seconds talking to Caleb, and you just—it's so evident how community focused he is and how much he really prioritizes giving back to the community the local soccer community with with a lot of different uh, and over in a lot of different avenues whether it's the futsal society leagues that they do in both the summer and the winter just the program in general and now you have a, a downtown coffee shop so um yeah go support them and check them out if you can again fox alley f-a-w-k-e-s alley a-l-l-e-y in minneapolis just google it um you should be able to find all the info you need there you can get all your Minnesota soccer info at sodasoccer.com, S-O-T-A soccer.com. Um, you know, news on Minnesota United, the lower league scene. Uh, we'll have some stuff on the college soccer scene. Um, something we actually just added to our repertoire, uh, Dom, if you will, once again for the fall is uh, we're adding some of the recent Equal Time soccer shows onto our podcast feed. Uh, Matt Pravatsky and uh, the people over at Equal Time are uh, generous enough to let us post some of those great conversations um, that they have with with college soccer players, Minnesota Aurora players, um, you know, players doing really big things in the community soccer uh, in, that are from uh, the Twin Cities area as well. So uh, make sure you're checking that out um, on our podcast feed. Just search Soda Soccer Podcast wherever you get your podcast, and you can see that there, and you'll see the Equal Time uh, podcast uh, podcasts there, if you will. Um, really cool to have them, you know integrated into our content again for the fall. They do great work over there. So it makes all the sense in the world to, to collaborate uh, once again. And we'll have some written content as the college soccer seasons get rolling uh, as well in the fall. So really cool stuff there. Um, we always have really cool stuff on our socials, especially on uh, X. I'm still calling it Twitter, though. Um, I'm still going to call it Twitter because if you type in Twitter.com, it still works. So I probably just jinxed it tomorrow. It probably won't work anymore. But you still <laughs> type in Twitter.com and it works. So it's still Twitter to me. Um, and they haven't adjusted the branding, the color scheme, the interface at all. 
This is the most non-rebranded rebrand I've ever seen, but I digress. Um, Twitter, uh, you can go to twitter.com slash soda SOC and it'll still pull up our, our Twitter page, but obviously at SOTA SOC. Um, if you want to get all the, uh, all the latest breaking news and info uh, regarding um, Minnesota soccer, you can follow Dom at DJ Bizonio. I am at Jeremy G. Rushing. And one final housekeeping note before we get started. If you want to take that next step and directly support our work, actually, Dom, on, uh, on Twitter, on Twitter today, um, I saw some, uh, some discussion going on about um, you know, how, how hard it is to be an independent media outlet in the soccer space these days and how it can be, um, you know, really a, uh, a strictly a labor of love. And there's not necessarily a lot of, a lot you gain financially from doing things independently, unless you are a, uh, you know, uh, RIP Grant Wall, unless you're one of the bigger names uh, that already has the audience built. It's tough to build an audience and, uh, and maintain if you're looking to do what we're doing at Soda Soccer and you'll compensate our content creators for those, for, for their time. I don't think we'd be able to get John Marthaler Domino Cazabazonio, Jacob Schneider uh, on Soda Soccer. Uh, you know, not saying they wouldn't, but it definitely helps to get really talented writers and podcasters on our team when you can uh, throw them a little money for their time and their efforts. So um, if you want to help us support that cause, head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Soda Soccer, and uh, you can contribute for as low as $3 per month and support our work there. All right, I'm done with the, with the housekeeping. <laughs> Let's jump into the news. Let's jump into what people are here for. Um, we're going to jump into the Minnesota United news that we know is not outdated at this point um, because we are recording this on deadline day and there may or may not be a move coming from Minnesota United. So we're not going to discuss anything deadline day related because it'll be out of date by the time you listen to this for sure. But uh, the non-out-of-date items, uh, a disappointing 3-2 to two loss to the fire to wrap up the League's Cup group stage. Um, this is a real missed opportunity. Um, obviously, you know, Michael Boxall on the back line, um, you know, it, it, that contributes to this. But to give up equalizers so quickly after, you know, Bongi's brilliance for his brace, each goal Bongi scored, you know, within a few minutes, the Loons were, were giving up an equalizer. And it really was just sort of a, it was a really frustrating night if you're watching as a Loons fan. Seems like a real missed opportunity to win this group um, and have a home match in the uh, in the round of 32 of the League's Cup. But alas, they do lose 3-2 to two to the fire. Um, and they will now head to Columbus. Because the Loons, with other results, at like uh, Club Puebla uh, taking Chicago or Chicago getting a point from Club Puebla in a uh, in their group stage match, taking things to penalty kicks, Chicago wins the group. Um, Club Puebla does get the win on PKs, but due to goal differential, they are uh, not advancing. So is the Loons who get second in their group, and they will play um, Columbus Crew on the road, uh, who won their particular group after. Uh, throttling of Club America. We're gonna we're gonna do a sidebar here for a second. We'll get back to the loons, but to lose your best player, Lucas Zellerayan, yeah, and then the same day throttle <laughs> arguably the most illustrious team in North America. Actually, yeah. I don't even know if that's even arguable. Um, you know, the most storied, the most his, the most history, the most I mean, the the most yeah. decorated. I mean, really, Club America. I mean. Anybody knows who Club America is. You don't have to be a soccer fan. Um, and they beat them 4-1. Uh, the day after they lose their best player, or the day the day of losing their best player uh, to uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, really impressive results. And as you look ahead to the Loons and, and the crew, um, even though Zellerayan's not going to be on the field, you are facing a white-hot Columbus side. 
Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough draw for uh, Minnesota to deal with. I think. Uh, as a side note, it does mean that uh, Christian Ramirez will still not have played. It's just never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Game. It's cursed. Uh, yeah, it's just not mathematically possible anymore. Um, but yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, that that's quite a statement to essentially celebrate losing your best player by just having all your other players play their best game of the season. Um, so, you know, that, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the loss to Chicago was a, was a very strange game. I think really start to finish uh, some great goals and it, some great moments in it for, for both teams, but uh, sort of a weird one in terms of flow, in terms of energy, you even have, you know, right at the end after the, the Kai Kamara goal to, to go ahead uh, for Chicago, you have, you know, like literally 30 seconds after the lightning strike pauses the game. So your, your sort of end of the match tension is cut off and restart. You know, it, it was just a weird one. Uh, disappointing result overall. Uh, but, you know, I, I still think Minnesota United should treat this as a competition that they have a shot at. Yeah. Um, if for no other reason, the fact that, you know, they only have so many games left, they have to win to, to mm-hmm. win it. Um, and so mathematically, it still feels approachable to me. Again, the crew is going to be a tough, tough on the road, especially going to be a tough opponent in the midst of that. Um, but this team, you know, you even see even just in individual performances like Bondi's, you see still plenty of potential to, to, to make a mark in this competition. So uh, disappointed about the Chicago results. Very strange game. Hopefully in the uh, Columbus game one, we can see a little bit less of the America performance in the crew and a little more of the Puebla performance in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and uh, and maybe get at least one more round in, in Leeds Cup. But uh, yeah, a, w- a weird week and a challenging week ahead for sure for Minnesota United. Yeah, obviously one of the big uh, you know, pluses for Minnesota is they're going to have Michael Boxall back. They're also going to have Ethan Bristow um, in all likelihood available for this one. Bristow was out all last week getting his visa and all his paperwork settled. That is done. He's back in Minnesota. And, um, you know, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but an UFC spokesperson did tell me that players can be added to the League's Cup roster after the fact and during the competition if they need to. So, um, you know, that to me means that Bristow can be added and that he will be available for selection on Friday. And um, Adrian Heath indicated to us in media on Tuesday that that was the full expectation that he would be available on Friday, which is uh, another depth boost to this back line, especially if you're going to be missing DJ Taylor. And we'd be remiss not to talk about this. DJ Taylor suffers a really bad face laceration on uh, on Kai Kamara's goal um, to put Chicago ahead, got kicked in the face uh, inadvertently by Kamara. Um, had to go straight to the hospital for stitches during the during the lightning delay. And obviously with something like that, there's swelling involved. You know, there's a risk that if you even get touched in the face, that it could get re-aggravated. Um, so he is a game time decision per heat uh, for Friday as well. Um, but if you're missing DJ Taylor, then all of a sudden you, you need another outside back. And uh, so it's really good to have Bristow back. And, you know, if he is available and he does get to play, it'll be a really good opportunity to see what he can do against a really potent Columbus attack, as we just mentioned. Yeah, going to be a little bit of a trial by fire if he does play in that game. But, I mean, you know, at, at some point, if you're a midseason signing for a team, that's kind of what you're signing up for. Um, so, yeah, by all means, great time to have that reinforcement. Yeah, hopefully DJ Taylor's uh recovery from that that injury is is as as positive and and fast as possible um probably i agree it feels quite unlikely that we see him in this game if for no other reason than that kind of injury you want to be careful about even you know even just basic infections and things like that um so 
uh, yeah, un- unfortunate that, that he's in that situation, but uh, but certainly some 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 ease knowing that there's a exciting addition coming that could potentially replace him for that day. Other notable omissions in Tuesday's training session: Kermin Ariaga and Ishmael Tajiri Shradi. Um, and um, it was unclear on what on what their availability for Friday uh, would look like as well. But obviously, it would be two big misses uh, for Minnesota um, again in that one. Um, before we get into MNUFC two and some lower league notes, I actually have one more loons topic. I did I didn't put it on the notes because I honestly forgot about it as I was putting together the notes because we did get the notes. Full disclosure, I did my part of the notes very last minute before this podcast. But um, it has to do with Zelarab going to Saudi Arabia. Um, obviously, the Saudi Arabian League has been making big waves over the last five, six months, signing some of the biggest names in soccer. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo was the first, but he's not the only one. They have signed, I think it's a few dozen players yeah. from Europe at this point, from top European flights. And now that infiltration seems like it's going to Major League Soccer with Lucas Zellerian, you know, you look at this and you think maybe he's the first domino to fall in a lot of, in you know, that, that could lead to more MLS players, top MLS talent, considering the Saudi league, because honestly they could pay these players three, four times oh. what they're making in MLS. From a Minnesota United perspective, Dom, I want to get your take on this. Should there be a worry that a Mano Reynoso could be on their wish list or priority list uh, in this league? Um, not necessarily. You know what I think? What I think teams like Minnesota United should be more worried about is, I mean, is sure there's a chance. Uh, I mean, I if, if you had asked me before the Zellerion move, I would have said definitely not. Now that that move's happened, it does make you think. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say teams like Minnesota United should be more worried about is so right now the Saudi Pro League is is very much um, stepping in front of MLS in terms of uh, signing star power. Older age star power yeah. from Europe, guys somewhere between. I mean, there's been a couple of guys in their lower, tw- and, or excuse me, their higher twenties, but a lot of guys thirty plus. Correct. Um, and Zell Rayon's thirty one. Just right. just for context. That bracket, which to be perfectly fair, is a bracket that MLS has considerably moved away from in recent years. But yep. that being said, there are still teams that have signed those players, and and the Saudi Pro League is very much stepping in front of MLS in that regard. Um, and and that means whatever you want that to mean. What I think teams like Minnesota United should be worried about is even a move, even though he's 31, a move like Zellerion from Columbus crew to me foreshadows what could be part of the Saudi pro leagues next step in player recruitment was, which is then to compete with leagues like MLS to Mm. sign up and comers from say Latin America, which is not really what they're doing right now. The Saudi pro league, Mm. um, they already have a certain amount of grip, obviously, on uh, Middle Eastern talents, young talents. Um, mm. At some point, maybe they'll get some some young guys from Europe that want to play with these older guys. Who knows what happens there? But I, I, I'm curious, especially because some of the people they're signing are, uh, you know, iconic Latin American players, players that aren't Latin American but that are well known in Latin America. Um, what role they could play in competing for those kinds of players. And that for me, long-term is more a concern for Minnesota United than whether or not Emmanuel Reynoso, you know, comes or goes. Um, Because if, if the Saudi pro league is competing with teams like Minnesota United, then Minnesota United already has to compete with teams in MLS with more money than Minnesota United 
uh, the Saudi Pro League will be a whole other level of competition in that sense. So I think that's more where Minnesota United should be worried in like the five-year kind of 10-year span. Um, mm. I don't know if they're going to, if anyone's going to be going for Emmanuel Reynoso. I, I think, to be perfectly frank with you, teams might be slightly put off by the first half of this season. Um, whether or not that's justified, I think just on paper they will. I mean, you can note the fact that nobody bought him while he wasn't playing mm-hmm. for the team as as a reflection of that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not super concerned about that, but I certainly think Minnesota United is, is the kind of team that should be watching how this change affects their overall scouting, yep. talent targeting um, operative. And that's a great point because you and you specifically looking at the salary disparities that there could yeah. be, right? If you're a young up and coming, I mean, or, or maybe you're a you know a late twenties, early thirties type player, and you could either spend the rest of your career in Major League Soccer, make two, three, four million dollars with the current financial um, setup the way it is, or you could go to Saudi Arabia for three years and you could make ten million dollars plus. Um, you know that's. That's generational money. That's money, yeah. enough money you can put aside for your kids, 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 right? So that's, you know, that's something to consider as well in this for, for Major League Soccer. Obviously, after the Messi signing, a lot of people are calling for the league to to sort of update their uh, their financial, the, the, the way they operate financially um, with the designated player spots and salary caps and things like that. So we shall see um, if there's any sort of reaction, if this starts to become more of a thing and what the reaction from Major League Soccer would be um, if that does happen. Um, quick aside here, before we get into MNUFC2 stuff, let's talk about our friends over at Pence Homes. P-E-N-T-Z, homes.com is the website where you can go. If you are buying or selling in or around the Twin Cities, I implore you, contact Nate and his team. Um, you look at their Google, you look at their better business bureau you look at their website any place you can go to see reviews and and get a a look at what the experience is working with pence homes um you're going to be impressed when you look at it you're going to be impressed i guarantee it so head over to their website again pentzhomes.com whether you're buying selling or both let nate and his team at least talk to you about what they can do for you i mean an initial conversation is free right so um definitely implore you to have that and see firsthand what uh what nate and his team can provide. They're big supporters of Minnesota soccer as well. Um, they sponsor Minnesota Aurora, Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and obviously one of our main sponsors here at SodaSoccer.com. We are very grateful for their support, but the reason you should go to them, I mean, the fact that they support Minnesota soccer is great, um, and it's something that, that a lot of people really love about them, but uh, they're also very good at what they do. So hit them up, pntzhomes.com, or you can email Nate directly, N-A-T-E, at pencehomes.com. Big thanks again to the team over at Pence Homes for supporting the 10,000 Pitches podcast and what we're doing over at sodasoccer.com. All right, MNUFC 2 falls short in a 10-man nil one loss to San Jose at the NSC after a first-half red card to Mikel Marquez. MNUFC 2 still managed 16 shots, four on target, but was not able to get one across. Um, one note, as it affects the first team, Joseph Rosales played the entirety of this match as well. So he's still getting minutes, even though he's not necessarily involved with uh, what the loons are doing in league's cup right now. Um, you know, that's one of the good things about and when UFC too, is these guys can still get a good run out in a competitive environment. So, um, but you know, not the result you want to see um, defensively still looking good, only giving up one goal, but um, the goals and the attack did not come. And sometimes it's just not your night. Yeah. 
unfortunately, you know, kind of found themselves on the wrong side of, of a pretty tight game. Uh, the fact that it was a pretty tight game with with ten men, I suppose, is uh, is, is a silver lining there. Um, tough to play about an hour, you know, a man down. I think it was about the thirtieth minute that Marquez went off. So, um, yeah, uh, tough result, uh, tough challenge on on the day. Uh, you know, un- unfortunate. Uh, silver lining is that they kept it close with ten men, and I suppose also from a first team perspective that uh, Joseph Rosales is you know staying active, uh, very much staying in the system, playing a, a full match with them. But uh, yeah, un- un- uh, overall kind of an unfortunate week for Minnesota United too. Definitely, but not a uh, disappointing week for Mid City FC as they win the inaugural Minnesota Super Cup, really bouncing back after falling in the NPSL North. Uh, uh, playoffs, the regional playoffs. They come back to beat Minneapolis City in the semifinals, and then they top MNUFC U19s. Really, the first lopsided result of uh, of the tournament, four nil, the final in the final over the U19s to win the inaugural Super Cup trophy. Lucas Hart with a half trick, with a hat trick, but all four goals coming in the second half for the mayhem and um, an MPSL North Championship and a, and a uh, Minnesota Super Cup, the double. For Med City, Dom, you were there. Talk to us about this. Yeah, this was a really interesting game. Um, so, like you said, by halftime, this game was nil-nil. First half, both teams started pretty good energy. I, I would say uh, the first like five, ten minutes felt a bit like Med City's. They did actually hit the post at one point, um, but it felt pretty even. And, and by the end of the first half, Minnesota United U19s uh, were looking a lot better, created some good chances. Um, Halftime comes, and actually, you know, if people check out the uh, the story that we have on the site for this game, they can literally see uh, Med City's uh, head coach, Neil Cassidy, literally explain to me fully what he changed at halftime, which I was uh, was very gracious of him to do. Uh, but mm-hmm. they essentially pretty considerably changed the the, the formation of the team, and uh, not even necessarily the formation, but the specific responsibilities of certain positions. Um and uh, it, it made a huge difference. They literally scored within about a minute and a half of the second half. Uh, that was Matthew Roberts with the first goal uh, off of a cutback uh, on the end line from a free kick um, to start things off. And then from there, really started to build momentum. Uh, Lucas Hart starts starts to get his hat trick um, uh, with, with three, three really nice goals. There was a free a direct free kick goal from the left side of the 18-yard box that he was able to curl um, into, into the far side of, of the net. Uh, then an open play goal, just to sort of a run in on goal, and then a penalty right at the end. Uh, really good performance from him, uh, helping sort of be the, the spearhead for that attack. But uh, a really impressive result from Med City, really doing well to adapt to a Minnesota United U19 team that while they did not have all of the uh, age and physicality of Med City, clearly had a lot of the useful energy and creativity Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to to even that out, uh, and and they certainly had their moments. Um, required some big saves out of uh, Iker Gonzalez and goal from Mid City. So um, yeah, really impressive night for them. A, a very nice road crowd that that came out from Mid City as well. A really mm-hmm. good chunk of people. Uh, and like you said, you know, one thing that was notable about, about this game, I actually talked to Frank Spaeth, uh, the the general manager of Mid City, after the game about this. We were both talking about how, you know, I think up until this game, there had been no Super Cup game that ended with more than like a two goal margin. Yep. There might have, there was like a one, three, one in there somewhere, but it was mm-hmm. always pretty tight. A lot of one nils, a lot of one ones, two nils, stuff like that. Um, so this was a, a, a pretty stark 
change. But I think that mostly came from in a final, uh, once the dam kind of breaks, sometimes the dam really breaks and, uh, and, a, and a few goals go in. So, um, yeah, no, just a really good mature performance from Med City to kind of hold out after a, a frustrating first half and make some changes and get the job done in the second half. Uh, like you said, overall ends this season on a really high note for them. Obviously, mm-hmm. they, they will have been very happy about the NPSL North title, perhaps not so happy about you know that tight penalty loss uh, in the Midwest uh, regional tournament. This is a great way to bounce back from that and the year on a high note. Uh, it's also worth noting this game because it was, you know, the end of the season, the NPSL season was done. They actually played this game without several uh, starters, usual yep. starters. Scott Neal, for example, who's kind of been the one really reliable goal scorer they've had this season was gone already. Mm-hmm. Um, they had one or two other players injured. I think there was a player that had left um, for a family issue. So um, was out of the country for a family issue. So yeah. Um, this was not a full strength Med City team. And to be fair to Minnesota United, I, I don't think that was necessarily a full strength Minnesota United team team. Obviously, there's there's guys that spend a lot of time uh, or now are going to college or guys that are with the second team. So that being said, though, really high quality game, really fun at McAllister um, and, and credit to Minnesota Super Cup for, you know, this was the sort of the one game of the tournament that they really organized. They hosted essentially. So, yep. Um, really, really um, good showing from them. I think this year, again, you know, there were growing pains, I know, in certain aspects for this tournament, but uh, I think overall it ended on a really high note. And uh, I think both teams were, were happy to be able to take part in this game. Uh, and I think it helps, you know, build some, some good excitement for what uh, next year holds uh, in terms of, you know, how, how our teams are going to approach this tournament, how seriously are they going to take it now, having seen um, how it concluded this year. So, yeah, uh, it was really fun to be there. Uh, definitely suggest people check out the the article and the photos. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, a huge congrats to to Med City again on uh, what really turned into a, a a really cool cherry on top of a, of a very good twenty twenty three season. One hundred percent. And uh, you know, it's interesting to me. I see four nil. That's not the way Med City plays. Not really, no. Um, no. Uh, four goals and a half is not something – Med City does – you know, they do a lot of things. They defend really well. They, you know, they they really do a good job at the back, and that's kind of their focus is, hey, we're going to we're gonna defend well, and we're going to try to get that one or two goals that, that are going to win us this thing. But to score four goals in 45 minutes, sounds like when you mentioned talking to Neil Cassidy and, you know, about the changes, was this just sort of a screw it, let's try this and see what happens type mentality? Or is this, this, I mean, what what vibe did you get in that conversation? Yeah, you know, so my understanding, some of this is from official interviews, some of it's not. But my understanding is is that Med City felt like these last couple games, they had decided to try to to adjust how they were playing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, they they earned uh, the MPSO. I, I, I I think the switch point actually, is their game against the Fusion in the semifinals for the, the MPSL North. In that game, you saw, which they won 2-0. Um, I think in that game, you kind of saw them pick up the pace a little bit on the attacking side. They got two really good goals in that game that were kind of the result of pressure and, and intensity in the attack. Um, the, the, the Duluth game, the final, I mean, that was a crazy game. But, you know, yeah. that being said, you, you see them find those goals eventually. Um and then in the semifinal against Minneapolis City, they, they come back and win 3-2. I mm-hmm. think that in these last couple of games, they've started to sort of – they started, rather, to sort of find um, – want to experiment a little bit with the attack. Uh, and so I think with this game, I think they were trying to read the situation in the first half, and they wanted to probably start on a more familiar foot. 
And once they saw what they were dealing with um, in that first half, which was, you know, Minnesota United and U19s were putting a lot of pressure in the midfield, kind of making it hard to play the ball up um, in a more straight um, way, which might be kind of what we associate with Med City. Um, and so in the, in the second half, yeah, it was, it was, you know, Neil Cassidy said it was, it kind of became all about overloading the wings, moving people around in a more complicated way, putting pressure a little more on the outer sides of the pitch, not being so central. Um, and it completely worked. I mean, it, 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 I, I don't know if I've seen a tactical adjustment work this well at this level ever. Um, it, it's worth mm-hmm. noting. So three of Med City's goals were um, not from open play per se. They were set piece related. I think penalties are considered set pieces technically. Um, but that being said, the two that weren't the penalty were not just like sloppy corner kick goals they were really good goals one was a direct free kick essentially that was very well taken and the other was a really well done ball into the box from a free kick and then some passing in the box to, to, to for the opener so i think in this game you really saw med city find a good way to combine what we associate with them in terms of that sort of set piece defensive play but also play some really good fun to watch soccer uh, and find quite a few goals um, so I don't know if it was so much a throw in the towel, but it was definitely a trying to push themselves and make the most of the situation where, all right, you know, this U19 team is not particularly letting us play the way we might have wanted to play uh, if this mm-hmm. game was at the start of the season. Um, but the team had already been making changes because obviously the start of this season didn't start great for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so in this second half, I think you sort of saw the culmination of that yeah, uh, where they made the most of those changes. I think they started the game not with those changes because they potentially were trying to figure out what kind of game this was going to be. Yep. Uh, but huge credit to huge credit to Neil Tassidy for as soon as he identified that and had the chance to make large scale changes, halftime obviously being the opportunity, um, he he did it. Um, and some coaches wouldn't necessarily make that call just out of risk. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I mean huge credit to them. They adapted in a really effective way, uh, and and they they have a historic inaugural Super Cup trophy for it. Absolutely. Um, we go, speaking of the NPSL, um, Yu Sukunome from Dakota Fusion, Miguel Ariano from Minnesota Twin Stars, and Eric Beltran from Thunder, um, and Steven Roeb, uh, named to NPSL Midwest Region Best 11. Um, very cool to see, um, you know, a lot of names. Obviously, we talked about Sukunome winning the Golden Boot uh, nationally. So, obviously, he's expected to be on this list, probably expected to be on the national list as well, if that's not out already. So, um, big congratulations to all those guys. We're going to talk about UPSL getting a uh, getting another team. We don't know what division this is coming in. Um, and with ProRel, we're not sure if there's any um, anything prohibiting a team from entering in the top flight if you will in in the premier division but uh st paul united fc has been announced as a new member of the UMP, UMP, of the upso excuse me um and you mentioned here dom the team's badge has 2023 on it so it suggests that this is sort of a new team that was just formed uh this year so i always love to see a new local team pop up on the scene and um you know if we if it's division one it's good that that division one league is continuing to get rounded out with more teams as well yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, two things. One, it's it's funny because up until this last year, the conversation. So when the St. Paul Blackhawks joined the UPSL, the conversation was that St. Paul had gone quite a while without a representative at this level. And now all of a sudden they're going to have a couple. But um, yeah. 
yeah, I don't know much about this organization. When you when you look up St. Paul United FC, it comes up with a team from uh, St. Kitts and Nevis. So I, okay. I cannot find, uh, I can't find much about them. Um, I, I, as a random note, I, I noticed that their badge is 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 very similar to uh, Capital City Futsal. I don't know if there's some sort of relation there. Um, but uh that that's random idea but uh yeah i don't know much about them but it's going to be interesting to see what they what they can do this uh, well next season uh it's worth noting that i don't recall if we talked about this because it happened kind of in the middle of the season but uh manito also um have announced that they're going to have a men's upsl side next year so gonna have a couple new teams we don't know divisions for that like you said Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, the, the the growth of the UPSL here uh, continues. Uh, last off season, you know, there were like ten new teams, so mm-hmm. um, I expect this to not be the last one that uh, that we have to talk about for uh, 2024. But uh, yeah, I look forward to learning more about about these guys and what they're up to. Uh, and also, you know, like you said, not only what division uh, for the UPSL, but also, you know, I don't know if they might have a women's team as well. Obviously, the UPSL do that now as well, so we have we have that to, to find out. But uh, yeah, look forward to learning more. And uh, Soul of the Cities, their summer league just wrapped up. Uh, summer Futsal League um, is their third annual Soul of the Cities season. Um, TC Soul wins the boys' division. Skills FC wins the girls. Um, and then there was a middle school division as well, in which Capital City Futsal, who you just mentioned, um, won that one. Um, Soul of the Cities, uh, Mar- Mario Wimberly and the team over there do such an excellent job putting on these events and making it so much fun and, and creating sort of the culture around it and um, another successful season and definitely thought it deserved mentioning here on the pod this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two things. First of all, people should keep an eye out because there'll be something something mm-hmm. Soul of the Cities related on the site soon. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, no, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's really cool that this league has managed to to last this long, but also, you know, it's really still has momentum. It's not just lasting, um, you know, grows mm-hmm. every year uh, from year one to year two alone. You know, there are a lot of areas where there were huge leaps um, year three, all the more. It was really cool to check out in person. So the cities I, I had not prior, partly because it started before I lived here and last year I had COVID during it. Um, so uh, it was really cool to, to, to get there in person and, and, see what they're doing see the ways that solo city wants to you know really help kids learn about the game but also you know grow as human beings uh you know the great way they're servicing both boys soccer or boys futsal rather and girls futsal uh just just really fun and, and also you know something that uh is really cool about solo cities is the way it brings together different parts of the metro um you know you can have a team from humboldt you know playing a team from prior lake you know, just the, the sorts of uh, the sorts of cultural community location gaps that are bridged with Solar City is really cool. So, mm-hmm. yeah, congrats to those three teams for winning their respective divisions. I know for TC Soul, that was their third straight one for boys. So they're mm-hmm. they're holding on strong there. But uh, yeah, congrats to, to everybody that participated, too, because it's, it's just a cool thing for for kids to be able to do a lot of hard work behind it. So, yeah, look forward to what year four brings. I uh, can only imagine it'll be even better so yeah mm-hmm. really cool stuff and a really cool note to end on here this week Mung ff the national team will make their competitive debut this week playing team eel and tibet national teams in the conifa asia cup on august 4th and 5th in portugal games will be streamed by conifa tv Hmong um, restaurant unison restaurant in maplewood is hosting a watch party for each game 
as well. We talked about this a few weeks ago that this is going to happen. This is the weekend. Um, and I mean, it's a, a team that's, that's located from the twin cities getting to perform on a world stage like this. Um, kind of can't wait to see what this team can do and, um, you know, what kind of prep they've been putting in and, and how they perform at this level. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's I really look forward to seeing what, what they can do, uh, on a competitive level. Obviously they've, they've played friendly so far. Um, some of which we talked about. But uh, yeah, it's really cool. They're going to be playing two very different teams. The the Tamil team, uh, that team represents a, a community. I think that largely the players are based in uh, the UK, but they're a South Asian mm-hmm. community. And then I, I imagine people know where Tibet is. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it's really interesting sort of meeting of these three teams. That one team had a lot of talent on it uh, with a lot of experience, some of which at a pretty high level. So I uh, really look forward to seeing how, how they can match up with these other teams. Um, they are the new kids in town for for this tournament. Those other two organizations have been part of Kanifa for quite some time, but mm-hmm. um, you know they they have a lot of talent, and I'm very curious to see if they can kind of maybe upset the uh, the order a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely suggest people check out the stream. I believe it's free. It's just on Kanifa's um, streaming platform on their mm-hmm. website. Um, and yeah, just, just show some support for, you know, a huge amount of this team is Minnesota based, including on the coaching staff and the management staff. Uh, so it, it's very much a local story, even if it's, uh, on the other side of the world. Um, so yeah, really, really look forward to seeing what they can do on, on a real competitive format. And it'd be really cool if, if they can make a run out of this and either make at least the, uh, final of this tournament, those two games are the group games. And then uh, the top two teams, I believe play again for, for the actual trophy. Uh, and if they mm-hmm. can potentially even make a run to to the national tournament that Kanifa hosts, that would be obviously amazing. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out. We'll I'll make sure to to try and post updates and and maybe Soda Soccer as well, and we'll we'll keep the word out about what's going mm-hmm. on there. But it's very exciting. We certainly will over at uh, at Soda at Soda Soc on Twitter. I'm going to follow the website to SOTASoccer.com for all your latest Minnesota United and Minnesota soccer content. Um, speaking of content, this week's content, this week's 10K pitches is done. Thank you so much to uh, our sponsor, Penn's Homes. Thank you so much to my co-host, Damo Casabazonio. And thank you so much to you for listening and taking your time to consume our content. Uh, one more time, if you do want to take that next step and directly support the work that we're doing, make sure you head over to patreon.com slash sodasoccer. You can get in for as low as $3 a month. He's Dominic. I'm Jeremy. This has been 10K, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.